Welcome back, everyone. This is the Bless You Boys podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Day, and with me, my co-host, Ashley McLennan. Ashley, how are we doing? <laughs> how are you doing? How are you doing putting up with uh, with my technical difficulties? <laughs> Good Lord. Tell the family online what just happened. Yeah, well, we talked for about, oh, I don't know, 15 minutes. Well, we talked about 23 minutes, um, 15 of which should have gone in the show. And once again, technology has failed me, and my recording suite um, just just crashed. It's a monster. Nothing likes interfacing with Skype, which is why I keep talking about, like, you know, or, like, keep kind of like, ah, maybe we should try Discord. I just don't know. I've read, like, contradictory things. I don't know. So, yeah, anyway. So we're back, but... Uh, what a nightmare. Whew. Anyway, so yeah, we recorded a podcast you'll never get to hear, and we were all incredibly genius and hilarious and very insightful. Yeah, we just we were saying um, just endless amounts of witty things. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, we both just, just watched the Tigers go down 5-2 to two to the Angels. Um, we saw uh, Daniel Norris not have a, a very good-looking outing where he was sitting in the, the high 80s for the most part, um, only struck out two batters, went five innings, gave up three runs. Um, but it's just kind of that pattern that, that we've been talking about where if you have Matt Boyd and Spencer Turnbull on the mound, the Tigers look reasonably competent, and then the rest of the time you just have no idea, no idea what you're going to get at all, and it's probably not going to be pretty. Yeah, generally kind of a hot mess, not so much stuff to really get hyped up to look forward to for specific guys, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I I like what Ronnie Rodriguez has done, but you can't really play him on the positions you'd like to play him out there, and to some degree his his recent success is a little bit fluky. Nico Goodrum has kind of cooled down. Um, so basically you've got Nick, you've got um, Singlio Cabrera, and uh, hopefully Kristen Stewart coming back soon. But man, when you've got like Harold Castro hitting like sixth in your lineup and stuff, it uh, it's just not going to go well. You're not going to have a good time. No, it's true. But how dare you speak ill of my Nico Goodrum? I know. He'll be fine. I'm not too worried about Nico. I think he's just kind of had a little bit of bad luck since he came back from uh, from being sick. It seems like he's he's... Striking out a little bit more, but he's hit a lot of hard balls that were right at people, so I'm not too worried about him yet. But overall, yeah, I mean, there, there's some things that could help the offense, like getting Harrison and Cabrera, or excuse me, Stewart back in there. But as we discussed previously on the first version of this podcast, the um, the starting rotation's just in just kind of in shambles, and because Tyson Ross has a little bit of a back issue, they had to bump him off Thursday start, so they're going to start Ryan Carpenter. They're going to start Ross on Friday. They're going to start start Spencer Turnbull on Saturday. And because it's a double header, they still need someone else. And we're all kind of communicating behind the scenes, trying to figure out who that could possibly be. Who will, will be the lucky one to get that job? And we know it's not going to be somebody like Blaine Hardy because he's just rehabbing right now. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah. He's there. He won't be ready to go for that. Um, and they've already also said that they're not interested in using him as a starter uh, for mystifying reasons beyond my comprehension. Um, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's basically down to, like, a whole bunch of, like, kind of mediocre lefties at Toledo, like Tyler Alexander or uh, Matt Hall. You could add, you know, Alexander or whatever to the 40-man because there are people you could cut and, and start one of those two guys. But, um, yeah, with Bo Burrows and Cal Funkhauser out down there, you don't really have a good option. Um, and we did notice that Gregory Soto pitched for Erie today, but only went a couple innings. Um, and Gregory Soto is a left-handed starter. 
um, who really isn't ready for this probably, but uh, but is on the forty man. So I don't know. Maybe maybe that's what'll happen. Maybe that that'll be his Sandy Baez opportunity, um, where you know you know he gets to come up for one start, maybe two, and just kind of see how it goes. Yeah, and that could be. I'd be interested in that. Like, like I mean, I'm not sure what other options there really are, and. I don't know. I'm not. I wouldn't be mad at anything, to be totally honest. Yeah, it feels like you know. I mean, they they want to stall for some time and not necessarily. You know, we we had an article up from um, our managing editor Rob Rojacki about um, the Tiger scouting James Shields, who you know could be someone they could probably pick up for next to nothing. Um, no, thank you. Yeah, and put him in there. But yeah, nobody really wants to do that. The Tigers clearly don't want to do that, and maybe maybe they're waiting to see if Jordan Zimmerman can kind of, you know get get things sorted out maybe get a rehab start in another week or two and start working his way back and and make it so that they don't have to make any kind of move like that right now but it's just hard to i mean even healthy jordan zimmerman isn't a particularly great option either so no yeah so we're just kind of in this place like you know two out of two out of five games you just you might see some real bad baseball right now and yet the tigers are still only two games under 500 because the al central is just god awful yeah, exactly, right? Like That was my thing at the beginning of the season. I'm like, you know what? People are saying the Tigers are going to be like third-worst team in baseball. They're just going to be terrible. And I'm like, well, they're going to be bad. But there's going to be worse teams. Like, I didn't think that the Tigers were going to be the worst team in the Central. And so far, I've been proven right. <laughs> yep. Yep, still hanging out at, at third. And um, and the Indians are, are fading right now. I mean, man. The Indians came into the season with with kind of a fragile setup just because it was all going to depend on having that five-headed monster of a starting rotation because other than that, they've got Lindor and Ramirez and not much else um, as far as position players go. And now they've had Clevenger go down long-term with a back injury. They've got Corey Kluber, who just got his arm shattered by a line drive back at him last week. He's probably out, I don't know, six weeks at least, probably more than that. It's not looking too good. Can I tell a funny Indian story since we're talking about the Indians? It's not related to Trevor Bauer. You know, <laughs> one of those two. We'll get to that later. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, today I was scrolling through Instagram, and of course I follow Jason Kipnis because I love Jason Kipnis. And he, I guess, was out driving the other day, enjoying some nice Cleveland <laughs> spring air, um, and it was maybe enjoying it a little too much and got pulled over by the cops. Oh, no. Um, but I guess they recognized him and let him go. But before they let him off with a warning, the cop said, maybe you should worry more about hitting 100 than driving 100. Oh. Like, oh, no. Dang. Ouch. Dang. That's harsh. I know. This was like right for the heart. <laughs> where where was he? Was he near the stadium or like some? They, obviously, they knew who he was. Driving around. Um, I don't even think it was a game day. I think he was just out and about. Oh, that's great. I remember, um, oh, here's a Game of Thrones spoiler um, from, oh, season six, if people are um, that far behind, in which case, too bad. But uh, yeah, Kit Harrington, and I remembered him telling a story about how he was he was driving too fast somewhere in England and got pulled over, and the police officer basically, like, demanded, he was like, I'll, I'm either going to take you to jail and book you for reckless driving, and we're going to keep you overnight, or you can tell me, you know, if Jon Snow is really dead. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Easy, easy choice. I'm pretty sure he told him, you know, like, you know, yep, nope, um, I'm going to be back. <laughs> and the police officer, I believe, said, on your way, Lord Commander, <laughs> according to John. So, yeah. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it's nice. It's nice to hear some fun interactions with the police. <laughs> yeah. They can't have a good time. Yeah, it's a hard job. You never know. You never know what's gonna come though. So yeah, I mean, right now it's just kind of it's just kind of frustrating. Like we're still in that phase where we're playing the central a lot. Like they've got the angels right now, but they're gonna go. We're, we've got welcome them in the twins again this weekend with a double header involved. Yeah, we haven't really seen the Indians yet. Um, Good. Yeah, yeah, which is just as well. I hate those guys. <laughs> <laughs> but we can't stop talking about at least a couple of them. I have problems, man. I have Trevor Bauer chatting problems. Yep. But um. Stop, won't stop. I know. Well, it's, I have the same problem, honestly. Like he, he irritates me, and yet I can't look away, and I, I continually pay attention to what he's doing because he's he's fascinating in his own way, even when he's being a total douchebag. So, yeah, um, yeah. And the thing I don't know the the thing about the Indians is that you know the, I mean they're weak, and we're looking at the Royals and the White Sox, and they're all pretty weak, and the Tigers are only two games under five hundred, and yet it just feels like the Tigers are are so much worse than that. Like. Who is it? Was it? I, you know, it's always attributed to Sparky Anderson, who would always say, "Like, listen, you can't say anything about a team until you get to forty games." But we're close. Yeah. We're starting to close it in on forty games. So, what if the Tigers are still two or three games under five hundred? Are we going to say, "Like, oh, you know, they're pretty close to a five hundred team. It's legit." No, we're not. <laughs> we're not going to say that because they're just skating on so much thin ice um, as far as the pitching staff goes, and even getting, you know, Stewart back in the in the lineup, and then getting Harrison back in there to push out Harold Castro, who really has no business in the majors. Like those things could help. Those things will help the lineup, and um, you know, and you can hope that Miguel will stay healthy and eventually start finding the home run stroke. But yeah, it's just it's just tough to find very many silver linings, and I I find myself continually turning to the Erie Seawolves or to the San Diego Padres <laughs> for solace and watching watching those two teams. Because watching these teams try to handle like Casey Mize, Matt Manning, and Alex Fajardo all in a row has is, is just been hilarious. I mean, they're just, they're hating life, I'll tell you. Oh, I know. Shout out to you, the Bowie Bay Sox and the Altoona Curve. I know it's been a rough couple weeks, but not everybody's rotation is going to be that good at AA. No, that's very true. Uh, you don't need... You... <laughs> They're pretty much like the the major league class working at the double A level. So sorry, everybody else. Yeah, and for everybody who sees us tweeting about starting Casey Mize on Saturday, yes, we are kidding. We don't we don't expect that to happen. We don't even want that to happen. <laughs> except that we would really like to see Casey Mize pitch for the Tigers because he's better than all but like two options that they have. Yeah. yeah so but please listen to our last week's episode if you would like our genuine opinions on how quickly we would like to see Casey Mize rise through the ranks. Yeah, I know. I need. I want. I need to see all these people up here next May. Like, let's let's go. Don't just don't just the keep them. The answer is not tomorrow. As fun as it would be. Yeah. Don't just keep them keep them sitting around down there for the long term. Yeah, and you know, like we we talked about before, uh, we were so rudely cut off. Um, you know, it was interesting. You know, like, a lot of people don't have that much faith in Alavila. I'm certainly one of those people. It sounds like you're kind of one of those people. And I keep watching the Rays, like, crank out, like, all these, you know, all these amazing players and, like, make these smart trades and build this, like, stupid good farm system that they're not even really having to tap into yet to lead the East. And we keep looking at um, at Heim Bloom and thinking, like, man, I would love to have that guy as the GM. Yeah, uh, yeah, we did talk about this before our, our call didn't record, and... <laughs> I was saying that they do seem to kind of be the kind of franchise that's building these future leaders. Like we're seeing a lot of these guys now go out and they're managing teams. And I I think that Bloom himself has already interviewed a couple of times for different GM positions. 
Like, he interviewed with the Mets, and he's been around the block a couple times. So I know that for him and for the Rays, that's very clearly something that they understand may be in his future. Um, I think he would be great. I think he could do a lot of really cool things for the team. Yep. And I and the Tigers could totally get him. Um, general managers, despite, like, all the, <clears throat> all the hype that, you know, front offices get and, you know, all the work that they do with, you know, in, integrating analytics and technology and all this kind of stuff... Like, they're still not particularly well-paid. Um, and obviously, the Tampa Bay Rays aren't, aren't known for how well they pay. So, yeah, I mean, there is an option there. It just, it's just hard, really hard to get a read on kind of how, like, Chris Illich w- would feel about how things are going so far. Because I think you can you can argue that the rebuild is going okay, certainly. Um, the farm system is way better. But considering like all the assets that they had to trade and where the Tigers farm system is generally coming in, you know, in the rankings. In the list. Yeah, yeah. Like between 10 and 15th. Um, they haven't traded any prospects away really since 2014 when they traded Eugenio Suarez and Willie Adamas. Um, you know, yeah, you've got Willie Adamas down there now. Um, but you know, with all that time, you know, the farm system is still just like, you know, better than average, but certainly not one of the best. And I think, like, I don't really have that big of a problem with Alavila himself as much as I do with the fact that he didn't go out and, like, build himself a young, like, innovative staff. Like, he just kind of kept the old hands Ghosts. everywhere. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't do much innovation as far as I can feel him out. Like, he doesn't seem to read the trends that other teams are using to their own success. Yep. He doesn't he seems to say to him, and I, I don't know, I don't know Alavila, I don't work in the front office, but the the way I've seen it is that good enough seems to be good enough for the team. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, you can kind of argue, you know, okay, like, being patient makes sense. Like, sometimes, you know, you look at DePoto in Seattle and, like, all the deals he's made, like, over and over and over and the team is, you know, basically came out of it, you know, the same team that they'd always been, but with a worse, worse farm system. And, um, and you can, you can spin your wheels that way, but yeah, I mean, the, the Tigers front office feels much more like we're just going to stall as long as possible and give all these guys in the minors, like all the time in the world to develop because then there's no sort of accountability. Like no one expects anything of us. Um, and I don't know, maybe that'll change next year. You know, they only started tearing it down basically two years ago. But, yeah, I just don't like the fact that he, you know, he kept Dave Littlefield, he kept David Chad. Like, those are the two guys who were, you know, head of operations, like two failed GMs for, you know, bad franchises. You know, these are the guys that that he's entrusting everything to. And then to turn to the Minnesota Twins, like, circa 2009 entire, you know, entire coaching staff, basically, to run run the show on the field um again just feels like really really out of touch moves um you know i am all for having some experience but yeah i in this in this day and age the way things are changing the way the best teams seem to be you know making innovations on a yearly basis um it just feels like a lot of sort of sitting on their hands and and waiting to see what happens which i don't know pretty much yeah which is super frustrating um and I don't know. I mean, it just it's just been in my mind even more lately. Um, despite my my the usual buddies on Twitter screaming about Alavila and for his head, you know, every day of the week. Which well, I don't. That's the thing. I've never hated Alavila. Yeah. I just don't think he's ever, ever done anything. Like say what you want about Dave Dombrowski, but he made moves. 
Yep. He made bold moves. He made interesting moves. He made win now moves. And a lot of that was absolutely because he had the financial go ahead of Mike Illich. Yep. No doubt about it. But like he did stuff. Yeah. Hate it, love it, question it, whatever. But there were these things that you knew that out of the blue he was gonna bring you Prince Fielder. And out of the blue he would trade Prince Fielder. <laughs> yeah. For a better player and get out of that contract. Interesting coming out of him. And I I don't think Alavila has done a single truly interesting thing as GM. No. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. I mean, yeah, you know, Dave Dombrowski took those chances. Like, that Max Scherzer, you know, trade with Austin Jackson, like that three-way deal back in, like, the winter of 2009-2010. Like, that could have gone horribly wrong. Um but he made the, that bold move, and it worked out. And, you know, yeah, maybe Alavila had some part in that. But, um, yeah, I just haven't seen a whole lot either. And you look at the way Alavila has kind of been blindsided by some of the, the free agent trends. And he's certainly not the only one. Um, you know, even the Angels, you know, have, have, you know, or sorry, not the Angels. The Dodgers have, have been blindsided a little bit by just just how much like the qualifying offer is undercutting you know what guys are going to get in free agency like they extended a qualifying offer to Yasmani Grandal last offseason and if he had you know if he had taken it he'd be better off because that qualifying yeah. offer just absolutely tanked all of his value and I'm sure the Dodgers didn't really realize that was the way it was going to go um, or they wouldn't have risked paying him 17 million dollars or 18 million dollars for one year but but Alavila has consistently gone out early in free agency and over overpaid for guys that aren't really even that good just because he thought, you know, he thought he needed them or he thought they had seen something there. And, you know, he was right on a couple occasions. Like, he was right about Leonese Martin. Um, that worked out well. Mike Fires worked out well. But so many of those moves have not, from from Mike Pelfrey, you know, to, you know, just whoever you, you want to name Tyson Ross right now. Um Francisco Liriano. I'm not really uh, not really seeing a whole lot from Josh Harrison, although it is early, and I, I won't uh, I won't go too crazy. But you know, paying Jordy Mercer five or six million dollars when Jose Iglesias is out playing him with no trouble, and you know, when he was signed to a minor league deal. Yeah, he's making the major league minimum, I think, at this point, and he's playing for the Reds and playing great. So yeah, there's just not anything yet to hang Alavila's hat on. Um, and you look at the farm system and yeah, like Casey Mize looks good. Matt Manning looks good. But if you're not hitting on your, you know, on picks like in the first 10, um, out of the whole draft, well, you're absolute garbage. So you've got to hit on some of those picks. Um, and it's, it's the later rounds where you just haven't really seen a whole lot. Um, there's some interesting guys like Tariq Skubal. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's some, some guys who may have some potential, but yeah, it's just hard to really kind of credit Alavila with anything in particular um, so far. Where are you going to look at, say, say Avila's gone in a year or two. What are we going to look back at as like the signature Avila thing? Like, are we ever like in 10 years? Yeah. Is anybody going to remember a single thing he did for the team? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's his, you know, his legacy moves right now. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There's not much there. I mean, you know, like when, when I think of Alavila, what I think of is, signing Mike Pelfrey and then not being willing to jettison either Mike Pelfrey or Anibal Sanchez in 2016 and letting those two guys just bury the team in the first half while Daniel Norris and Matt Boyd pitched great in the minor leagues. And people pin that on Brad Osmus, but Brad Osmus doesn't have any, any authority to cut those guys um, as free agents. So 
that was a that was a full on front office decision there and a bad one. And that yeah, those are the kind of things just that just stick with you. Um, even the Justin Upton thing, like you know, they tried. I, I'm really suspicious in general about that whole Chris Davis rumor, just because it's like one of those things that feels like so nonsensical and planted to make it look like Alavila stepped in and actually did something. But he didn't do that much better. Like he just, you know, he just paid like absolute full price for Justin Upton, um, who you know is a nice player, but certainly not a star. And they were ready to commit ludicrous money to him as well. Um, yep. Some of that is Mike Illich, I'm sure, but you know, if you can't talk, you know, an 89 year old dude out of you know bad decisions, like how good a front front office do we have at this point? So yeah, there's not a whole much a whole lot to love there, um, and it kind of has been in my mind all, because the you know the, the Illich family did make one move and in a hockey related move um, fired Ken Holland. Finally, they didn't fire him, but they they made they did the nice thing and like let him step aside to another position. And then he went and got his own job somewhere else. And that's that's like a nice, smooth, clean transition for a guy who did a lot for them. But they made that move and brought in Steve Eiserman. And it just kind of puts you in the mind of like, all right, maybe we haven't seen much from Chris Illich since he took over. And maybe there is a little bit more going on in his head as to as to how he wants to see the two franchises progress and who he wants running them. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. We'll just have to see. But I, I do know because we had some Brad Osmus talk today with Brad Osmus and the Angels in town that, you know... Tons of people still absolutely blame Brad Osmus for literally the entire, you know, four-year time he was here and, and just cannot bring themselves to, to take a, an honest look at just how god-awful the front office screwed those th- those teams. <laughs> they just will not. It's all Brad Osmus. He's that smug, good-looking son of a bitch. <laughs> I do like that he was just like, yeah, blame it on me if you want to i like that he was taking jabs at the like detroit press corps yeah being like you know like you haven't changed at all and like just having a good time with them yeah I sincerely hope he made fun of anthony's mustache oh for sure he did not report on that so who <laughs> yep. knows yep he did um, give he, he feels he did give jeff rieger some grief which is great because jeff rieger is just kind of this miserable little troll who knows nothing about the game and would always like just you know just go out of his way to ask the most irritating question possible so. Yeah, apparently he told him he hasn't changed a bit. I liked that. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, Rigger, you haven't changed at all. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Perfect. Delightful. Yeah. Yep. It really is. Yeah. You know, Brad Osmus is easier to like um, as the manager of the Los Angeles Angels. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's like an ex-boyfriend that you had a really terrible relationship with when you had been friends beforehand. Yeah. Like you didn't uh, end up hating him necessarily, okay. but yeah. And so you can like him so much more when he's dating somebody else in a different state. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. Yep. But, you know, you talk to a lot of people in the Tigers fan base and, you know, nope, it was all Brad Osmus' fault and he's a terrible monster. And to be honest, Brad Osmus well, didn't do him. angels aren't loving him that much more because I did a QA <laughs> yeah. with Halo's Heaven and he's been hovering, I think, around the 50% mark of approval ratings. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, he's in the same situation where he's got like a couple of stars and then the rest of that team is is pretty much hot garbage. <laughs> so, I mean, it's actually it's worse than it was for him here. But it's it's kind of that same thing where it's like there's you know there's like one guy in that bullpen who's worth a damn. Um, they have you know two starters who are you know really usable, and it's like no, it's the manager's fault. Yeah, managers don't do that much, people. Um, I wouldn't want Brad Osmus back either, but it's not so much because of his decision making and a lot more with just I just don't feel like his personality um, is that great in the clubhouse. Like I just, he just seems like the kind of guy who, 
doesn't encourage like people to speak up and and you know and be warm you know with him in general he just he just feels like that dude who's just a little bit too smart and too smug for school and i could see that kind of that kind of personality those personality traits putting some players off so I'm ha- Mr. Dartmouth? Yeah, I yeah, yeah, I'm happy for him to be out in L.A. Guardy's kind of like the good old boy, right? Mm-hmm. Who apparently left today's game because of an allergic reaction to something. Oh, people, okay. People were asking about this because he left, I think, around the third inning. Yeah. And he hadn't been ejected, and Steve Liddell took over as the bench for, as the, for managing the game, but people were like, what happened to Guardy? Where'd he go? And he apparently had a allergic reaction to something and had to leave the game. Huh. He's apparently fine. Well, that's good. Well, that's good. Because, yeah, that was kind of like, hmm, it's either... Like, what the fuck? Yeah, there's something big going on in the organization, or it's it's a health thing, so I'm hug glad watch. it was minor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Guardy hug watch, that, he's getting traded. Yeah, we traded, <laughs> traded Guardy and Steve Little for cash considerations, but we're unable to deal Lloyd McClendon, much to my dismay. Oh, man. Yeah, okay, well, that's good. Yeah, that's good to hear that. But, um... Yeah, so I don't know. I, I you know I don't really. We're just we're kind of gonna have to wait and to see how this season plays out. But the way things are lining up and I, the way I'm seeing the minor leagues starting to develop, if if the guys who are you know the the top five Tigers prospects continue on the track that they're on this year, those guys should be up early next year. And as a result, it should be go time, um, in my book. Like it shouldn't be like oh well, let's wait a couple years and see if those guys can establish themselves. Mur, mur, mur. And save some money by letting Nick Castellanos walk away and spend even less money next year, you scumbags. Like, spend some money. Let's get some bats in here. Let's start uh, start looking like a halfway decent team. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed, too. Tomorrow's our year. Yep, exactly. <laughs> resembling upwards mo- mobility. Yeah, I just need mobility. Like, let's just get on the right track. I know they're not going to cut loose until Zim. We just want something resembling progress. Yeah. I mean, I know they're not going to spend, you know, there's going to be no big contracts um, signed until Jordan Zimmerman is gone. I, I think that's that's probably pretty clear. But you know, there there were all kinds of two and three war players going for like four or five million dollars on the free agent market this year, and it'll probably be just the same next year because there aren't even like those star players to kind of hold the whole process up. So yeah, we'll just have to see what they decide to do. But uh, in the meantime, in the meantime, yeah, we'll just hope uh, Matt Boyd and Spencer Turnbull can keep it up. And man, if Daniel Norris could just take a little step like i'm so i'm so disappointed that we haven't seen a little bit of his velocity come back i really thought like if he got a chance to start and started getting like you know five ten starts under his belt and we're not there yet it's plenty of time that a little bit of that velocity might start to come back just from him being stretched out but i don't know we're a couple starts into it and he's he's been usable but um but not yeah but not the best nope definitely not the best daniel norris i've ever seen so yeah that's about it all right we're gonna take a little bit of a break um yeah, we, sorry. Okay. we have to circle back <laughs> yeah we have to circle back just post something about the guardy allergic reaction and Uh-oh. it's related to daniel norris so this is very timely oh so, holy smoke wait 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 that's an incredible tease we'll be right back Okay, we're back. And with that incredible tease, I, I really need to know uh, what Daniel Norris had to do 
with Ron Gardenhire's allergic reaction. <laughs> so apparently Norris, after the game, um, so, well, after his he was done pitching, saw Guardy in the clubhouse and said, did I give you the hives watching me pitch? <laughs> okay. And Guardy said no. <laughs> and then a couple innings later, he came back and said, probably. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> oh, Guardy, that's good. Uh, this is hard. Uh, oh, that's funny. Uh, I love it. I need to see more strikeouts, Daniel. That's that's the only cure for me. You're killing me, literally. Yep, yep, yeah. It's a uh, it's a tough gig managing this team right now. It's just, uh, not a whole lot of options for a uh, for an old salty dog like Guardy to mm-hmm. not a lot of buttons to push. Most of them, uh, the lights inside them are burnt out, and their the covering is cracked like in an old elevator. Miguel Cabrera keeps throwing them under buses. Yeah, exactly. All right, so let's get into that. Um, I already kind of like broke. Got into the whole damn shitstorm this weekend a little bit, but Miguel Cabrera had some rather unfortunate, yeah, some unfortunate comments. Um, I don't know how much he like meant to say what he said, but what he said was was not good. Um, he was asked basically by an entire host of reporters, you know, why he hasn't been able to hit any home runs. He's only got one this year. Why he's been struggling to hit for power, and basically his response was. You know, that, hey, do you see how guys are pitching me? You know, do you see the guys who are hitting behind me? Like, I don't have Prince Fielder. I don't have Johnny Peralta. You know, I don't have Victor Martinez, you know, behind me anymore. Um, Basically insinuating that, you know, this is all because, you know, Nico Goodrum and Kristen Stewart aren't scary enough to pitchers. And so they're just like, what, I you know, throwing around, you know, Miguel and, and pitching up in the zone and not even throwing him strikes, you know, whatever's going on. But the entire thing was nonsense. Um, it was a terrible answer to pretty directly, like, indicate who you were talking about in one of those circumstances. And I think both of us would be fine if Miguel Cabrera was calling out the front office for not trying to compete and those kind of things. But that's not what happened. Um, it didn't really have anything to do with that. It had to do with his own production and him passing the buck. Yeah, it really did feel like... Uh, and not taking any culpability for his own lack of power, for his own, like, just say, you know what, I came back off injury season, I was expecting to do better than this, but it's clear I need to, like, shake the rust off a little bit more. Like, there are a thousand things you could say in that situation where you take the onus onto yourself for how poorly you are hitting for the number of home runs that you have not hit, and... I think passing the buck on to other guys and saying, well, you know, they're not, you know, automatically walking me that often. And, you know, they're not as scared of me as they used to be because they know lesser guys are coming. Like, make them scared of you. Yeah. 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 Be the guy that is the guy that is hard to pitch to. Like, sorry, but complaining about your lineup does nothing to to talk about the power that you're lacking and the, the ability that you're not showing that you had before. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that, you know, again, like, it's not it's not so much the fact that he was honest in pointing out that the team isn't as good, but it, it's just the fact that that had nothing to do with the initial question. It had to do with, you know, why he isn't hitting for power. And that has nothing to do with it. And, you know, there are people out there on both sides of this who have a grudge against Miggy for numerous, you know, reasonably good reasons. And then there are people out there who will defend him, you know, no matter what, and just want to get on the media like, oh, why are they asking him such, you know, whatever, I don't know, mean questions or something to a guy who's 
you know, got 15 years in the league, is very intelligent, has handled all these questions a million times, should, should easily be able to field this one without uh, making it look like he's blaming his teammates for it. And it's just nonsense. Like, it just, it has nothing to do with it. There have been numerous articles written about this. There's been all kinds of studies. Lineup protection is not that big of a deal. Like, they can't even really find any evidence of it, although they can't also prove that it doesn't exist. It's just one of those things that, yeah, you know, hitter, the best hitters in the game will tell you, you know, that they get better pitches to hit when there's a good hitter behind them. Um, and maybe that's true to a degree, but it doesn't show up anywhere. So it can't be that big of a deal. And we just saw Nick Castellanos last year hit 23 home runs and he had nobody, you know, he didn't even have Miguel Cabrera hitting behind him yeah. last year. So it just doesn't have anything to do with that. We've, we've all seen him swinging and missing more than normal. We've seen him struggle a little bit with the fastball and we've seen him also hit the ball plenty hard. And I can tell everybody out there just by looking at his exit velocity trajectory that it's starting to creep up. Like he is hitting the ball on a line a lot and he's hitting it in the air more. And I expect if he can stay healthy that the home runs will come. But, you know, there's a million good answers he could have given to that question and he chose not to do so. (laughs) He chose to give a bad one. literally the worst answer he could give. Yeah. And that almost feels intentional, right? Like, and I'm sure it's just frustration and I'm sure it's just him, you know, not taking the time to really think about what he said before he said it, but like, goddamn, man. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like, and the, I guess like the subtext to this, which I don't want to go, you know, I don't want to like start, you know, anticipating all kinds of disaster, but there've been a million superstars who, you know, when they lost their skills and started to fade, just didn't handle it well, you know, made excuses for themselves, complained, you know, demanded to be treated, you know, like, like they used to be treated by their manager, even though they weren't that player anymore. And I just don't want to see us go down that road anytime soon. Um, there are already too many people who are frustrated, you know, for what I would consider a nonsensical reason, which is how much money Miguel Cabrera makes, which really has no bearing on anything to me um, and really shouldn't to anyone else. I mean, it's not like he's not trying. Um, mm-hmm. And he was underpaid for, you know, for a decade. You know, this is this is the point where the Tigers, you know, were the ones who got stuck with the bill. Um, they're the ones who didn't have a chair when the music stopped and they still have Miguel Cabrera for five more years. And we're just going to have to deal with that part of it. And I don't care. I don't care that Chris Illich, you know, loses $32 million a year on Miguel Cabrera. He can easily still afford to put a good team on the field on, on top of him. And if you did have a good team, like having a guy like Miguel Cabrera, who's probably still going to hit 300 and post a 400 OBP, even if he's only hitting 15 or 20 home runs per year, Eh, I mean, it's it's not ideal, but he could still be a valuable part of that team and, and part of the leadership of it. And yeah, I mean, I just think we'd, we'd both like to like to be able to trust that Miguel Cabrera is going to play that role and be a leader and help to guide those young guys and not get all defensive about the fact that he isn't the player he used to be, because we all should know that by now. So that's the thing. He's never you have a prime. Yeah. And he's past it. Yep. And maybe there was a polite way to say that to the media to be like, Hey guys, I'm never going to hit 40 home runs again. And look at Albert Pujols. Look at these other guys. Like I'm still, I'm still a fucking hall of famer, Yep. but like, I'm not going to be the guy I was when I was 28. Yep. Like, roids sorry. are, they, they test for roids now. <laughs> so that's just the way it is. Yeah. Yeah. We could argue about maybe if they should, I don't know. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> nah, no, with the roads. 
Yeah. So, yeah. I I mean, I don't want to make any more of a big deal about it. I mean, we've kind of talked talked it through, you know, in numerous different formats now. But, yeah, I just... It's not so much this one issue, just the fear of, like, how this is going to go if he, you know, is just going to be endlessly frustrated with this and, you know, with all the kind of crap he's, you know, all the self-inflicted wounds in his personal life that are still ongoing, all that kind of stuff. Um, if he can still, you know, kind of do the job and, and be a solid clubhouse presence and help some of the young guys, um, you know, just start to figure it out and get comfortable. So we'll just have to kind of keep an eye on that. But man, there's, that's another reason why I kind of want the Tigers to like get on it and start putting something together, um, as far as a competitive team again, because it's, you know, it's got to suck. Drama would be nice. Yeah. And it's got to suck for him. You know, I mean, you know, I like, I don't, I don't necessarily care about his needs, but it is a hard, it is a hard thing to be, have been a great player and to now like be on a team that like you know is absolute garbage and just doesn't 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 really have any hope for a couple years. You know, I mean that's just I'm sure that's not how he envisioned, you know the the later part of his career going, um, and probably none of the rest of us really did too, although we feared it. So yeah, we'll just have to see how things go. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mm. guess we'll just yeah, you're right. We'll just have to see. Yeah, hopefully it gets warm out finally because it has been crappy and hopefully it gets warm out. Miguel warms up, starts hitting some dingers, starts feeling good and loose and happy Miguel again and then we're all happy. So if daddy ain't happy, nobody's nobody's happy. So Yeah, right. <laughs> we did get a, a major league debut tonight. Um, right-handed reliever Eduardo Jimenez um, was called up from AAA. Um, that follows the designation for assignment of Drew Verhagen. Um, did the Drew Verhagen DFA, did that take you by surprise? I mean, I know he wasn't pitching great, but I was a little bit surprised they finally, like, cut ties completely with him. No. Yeah? Very little surprises me right now this season. Like, I'm not gonna lie, like, they could suddenly DFA Jordan Zimmerman and I'd be like... Yeah, like, fine. Huh. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh. They can't, obviously, but you know what I mean? Like, oh, it's pause. There's not... Pause closing. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, right? <laughs> we'll just bring guardians to do something for the rest of the inning. An all position player pitching staff. That's fine. No big yeah. deal. Yeah. Mm. I, I guess great. I guess it did surprise me just because they've stuck with Drew Verhagen through like, you know, the thoracic outlet syndrome surgery. They you know, they stuck with him through 2017 when he was coming back from it. Last year they finally started to get a little bit of a return on that, all that investment. Um was showing a little bit better of a slider. But I, the fascination, like, you know, even honestly, you know, and I love him, Dan Dickerson, like, and his, you know, their fascination with, like, how good an arm that is, you know, I, I just, I've just never seen it from Drew Verhagen, and so I was surprised, but I also didn't really mind seeing him go. It's just a weird time because the Tigers don't really have, they don't have, like, a whole bunch of good, you know, players coming up behind him this season um, to push him out of the way, so... I was surprised by that, but Eduardo Jimenez came up, um, gave up a little bit of hard contact. Um, Mike Trout took a center cut fastball and smoked it off the left field wall. Um, that can happen to anybody. And uh, Shohei Otani smoked a opposite field line drive that would have gone down the left field line and scored Mike Trout, but Jamer Candelario, with his cat-like reflexes, snared that one. Um, so Mr. Uh, Mr. Jimenez, not Joe, but Eduardo, um, came through with a scoreless you know, first inning in the major leagues, and that was cool. It was cool to see a bit of that, um, and it's also cool in the fact that Jamer Candelario seems to have started to kind of heat things up a little bit from the leadoff spot, and he is playing great third base, which we have not seen since Brandon Inge's <laughs> prime, if there was such a thing. The one year of Brandon Inge's prime. So. Very 
brief prime. Yeah, yeah, it was a short prime. Yeah, I mean, Jimenez, like, you know, he throws 95, 96. Um, he can touch 98. Um, throws downhill pretty well with a little bit of run and sink on it. Um, he's got kind of, you know, your prototypical mid-80s slider. It's just about whether or not he can control everything. So we'll just we'll just have to see. If his command is good, he probably will be somewhat useful. So we have that going for us, I guess. Somewhat <laughs> useful degree. is really all we can hope for. I know, somewhat useful. It's so funny, though. You, like, you just see, like, Matt Boyd will go out there and pitch, you know, seven innings, one run ball, strikeout nine, strikeout ten. You know, Tigers score three or four runs. Joe Jimenez comes out there, blows everybody away. Shane Green gets out there, racks up, you know, another save in his his streak. And the team looks good. Like, you, you can actually watch that team and be like, man, this team could be kind of yeah, good. These guys are tight. This looks really good. Like, I'd watch this team all the time. And then you look at, you know, oh, who's starting tomorrow? And you're like, oh, oh all right. Well, it was fun while it lasted. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> And we just need Matt Boyd to become one of those old tiny pitchers that pitches every day. Yeah, yeah. Can we go to the four-man rotation at this point? Yeah, use him until his arm literally falls off, and then it'll be great. Yeah. What uh, What do the Rays want for... He's, uh... he's on all those, like, kale supplements or whatever <laughs> he's taking. He can do it. Yeah, he's on all kinds of things. Is he wearing... Is he also the one who's wearing, like, blue sunglasses in the evening to block out the blue light? And then the sunglasses, like glasses, don't have to be actually blue to block out blue light. Like you can get just a regular clear filter. Yeah, maybe that's all it is. Maybe it's the blue light filter. He's got like I know he's got two pairs of glasses. Like he goes in stages from the blue block pair, and then there's like the sunset pair. I guess that he wears earlier than that. I was like, yeah, that boy has uh, has gone gone very deep, almost almost over the edge. Um, into this stuff, but that's that's what driveline baseball does for for people. It makes them uh, try literally everything and experiment and try to squeeze every last bit of success out of themselves. It seems like so. I wish he would take Daniel Norris up there some year. <laughs> truly, yeah. Try to just like just push through there and and see uh, see what the deal is. Like I don't know, maybe Daniel Norris needs a bunch of those max velocity running at the wall and throwing as hard as you can drills to kind of build a little bit of that heat back into the arm. Because, man, for a guy who hasn't had an arm injury, he's lost, like, four miles per hour to all these groin injuries. And I just don't really see a whole lot of a future as a starter if that doesn't change. Um, he's going to get yeah. the chance, though, because they don't have much else to go with. Ah, well. Depressing. Alas. Yeah, it can be kind of depressing. Um, I just... Just trying to be happy about Spencer Turnbull and keep my focus on these eerie, eerie sea wolves and, and hope that next year... Uh, it's finally the beginning of the building phase of the rebuild and fearing of course, that it may still be more of the teardown instead because they very well could end up trading Matt Boyd. Um, Nick Castellanos could go away, Shane Green. And then, then you really are looking at like, okay, maybe now we are like the 2012 or 2013 Astros where we're going to win like 52 games next year. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah, I hate to tell people this, but yeah, I mean, that's, you know, we're looking at, like, if they, they wanted to go and do all that, we may not have hit rock bottom yet, so. We Why you got to depressing like this? Yeah, I know. There were some, uh, there were, have been some fun things going on in baseball outside of, of Tiger Dome. <laughs> like, Cinco de Mayo featured five different Grand Slams, which was, was kind of bananas. Um, we saw Chris... God, yeah. And guys like, you know, like, Yelich and, and Cody Bellinger are just just out of their minds like these dudes have 14 15 home runs already barely like six weeks into the season so yeah i don't know some other it looks like some other teams are having fun although yep i wouldn't know too much about that (laughs) (laughs) 
it's okay. I don't know what to tell you, but someday your team will be our team will be fun again. Yeah, yeah, it has to happen someday, doesn't it? Uh, it does eventually. I can assure you, the rays were not a lot of fun for a very long time. Yeah, but the rays—that's the thing. The rays were always at least interesting because you know mm-hmm. you had Joel Madden, you produced him. Then they bring up Kevin Cash. He turns out to be a great manager because they've trained him up. It's just, uh, it's a machine down there. It's a well-oiled machine funded by a Scrooge um, who is kicking everyone's ass in, in a very, really highly competitive AL East. They are kind of wrecking their shop so far. It's very true. I'm very happy about it. Tommy <laughs> Grand Slam yesterday. It was amazing. Yeah, when it was like 4.30 right off the center field like batter's eye, too, oh, wasn't it? Was it? Beautiful. it was beautiful. It was mashed. And I turned the game on. I was so happy. <laughs> oh, yep, yep. They've got a lot, a lot of good stuff going on down there. And man, yeah, that farm, that farm system is stacked. I feel pretty good about the Tigers' farm system, but yes, I would, I would trade it instantly for the Rays' farm system. It's just so deep. And then you've got Wander Franco's young self down there, just looking like he's going to be an absolute monster for years. So, yep. Delicious. Pretty so, cool. So hyped. You just never know, of course, because um, you know Vladdy Guerrero Jr. has come up and not really done very much so far. But it's only been like a week. So <laughs> anybody's starting to like start to panic on Vladdy already, like yeah, settle down. It's gonna it's gonna get a rocket. Um, but it was Nick Senzel who came up and hit two home runs in I think like his first. I think it was his first major league game. So yeah, top prospects making an impact already. This is the time of year as soon as teams can steal that extra year of control where you start seeing these guys come up. Like Brendan Rodgers will probably be up for the the Rockies before too long. Um, teams are starting to make those moves. All right. I guess that's about it. I don't have a whole lot. Was that? Uh, I know. What was? Uh, what was? Uh, real quickly. What was the Trevor Bauer complaint about oh, cyber yes, bullies? Oh, Trevor Bauer moment. I need. I need to talk about that since it seems uh, so incredibly my ironic. Blessed, stupid baby, Trevor Bauer. Um, <laughs> stupid man, baby. <laughs> he posted today or yesterday about. He posted a bunch of screen caps from his DMs because I guess he's an idiot and has his DMs open. Why? Because. <laughs> um, that's got to be amazing I, in there. Life of me, you could not pay me all any money in the world to open my DMs for any any price. <laughs> um, and so I guess he was posting screen caps of a bunch of people who like were telling him to go kill himself or like you're the fucking worst or why are you the like just go jump off a building kind of thing. No. And I'm sitting here going, you literally told people almost these exact same sentiments when they came at you for your Donald Trump opinion. Yeah. And like, I was reading that thread at the, the point, like this is a couple years back and he definitely absolutely told people to be like, maybe you should stop existing and blah, blah, blah. Yep. And then less than six months ago, sicked an entire crowd of his cronies on a, like, 20 year old young woman yeah because she said she didn't like him yeah like i'm sorry you don't get to call out cyber bullying when you are a cyber bully yeah oh that's pathetic see i hadn't seen that one yet but yeah that's uh that's that's right in the wheelhouse there like you know one step forward two steps back with the with the bauer man every time yeah, he's a he's a special case that one. I feel like Trevor Bauer is two very distinctive people. Yeah, one is There's, the man baby, and then one like, is the genius pitcher. <laughs> yeah, with yes. with philanthropic like, ambitions. Genius pitching like Wonderkind and crying online man baby. Yeah, yeah, those and, seem like, to be genius pitching Wonderkind fascinates me to no end, and like 
basement dwelling man baby is just like every other dude on the internet. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, a lot of them. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah, there is a there is a huge host of such such individuals out there. No doubt. Like, I feel like if Trevor Bauer was just a rando guy that didn't pitch well, he would be such a reply guy. Oh, yeah. Like, he would straight up be, well, actualing his way through all these women's comments online if he was not somewhat famous. <laughs> yeah, like, no he's doubt. already pretty terrible, but he would be worse. Yeah. The one fun part about it is that he is seeing, like, some of the beef kind of step up between players, which I kind of enjoy. Like, him and Bregman... Going back and forth as dumb as it is, like I kind of enjoy it. I kind of enjoy Chris ba- Chris Paddock from the Padres being a psycho and being mad that Peter Alonzo was the April Rookie of the Month when he thought it should have been him, and using that as motivation and just being a crazy person. I love I love that. I love the drama. I love the silliness. It's great. But when it goes to trolling, yes, trolling people online and then trying to drag them and get all your followers to harass the shit out of them and then later on complaining when people do the same thing to you, yeah, get the hell out of here, Trevor Bauer. Come on. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Alrighty. Um, you got any YouTube videos coming this week to promote before we get out of here? I posted one on Tuesday that was all a breakdown of the parts of the park. Um, uh-huh. on Thursday, I will be posting, it kind of just explaining, you know, like, what are those circles that are next to, you know, the, the home plate area, and why do those guys stand next to first and third? <laughs> what are they doing there, kind of thing. Um, and then Thursday's episode is going to be on different pitch types. Oh, right on. And then Saturday's lingo lesson this week is going to be on the Mendoza line. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, and my, one of my favorite so. subjects, batting average. <laughs> yeah, yes, if you so know. That will be a fun and educational one that's pretty good for the time yeah. of year. So. If, uh, if, yeah, if four mentions of batting average occur within any hour period, Brandon like, starts to have steam come out of his ears and gets angry. <laughs> uh, the batting average is the best predictor of a person's ability, Brandon. <laughs> I know. I know. It's so true. Uh, or at least so many think so. I will. Oh, well, God love them. God love y'all, baseball fans. Even if you irritate me, it's fine. It's fine. It yeah. took me until like two years ago to understand why WRC Plus was worth <laughs> Yeah, it was better or worth it, yeah. <laughs> People need to learn, and I'll help them get there. Yeah, you're doing the Lord's work over there. That's true. Yeah. All right. So like this week, um, you can probably look for a little bit of analysis starting to come because the Tigers are nearing the 40 game mark and we're starting to get to the point where there's enough of a sample to kind of do some deep dives. So you can look for that. Um, We're going to keep covering the farm system as always. And we are also getting a lot of the draft previews out there. Um, Robert Jackie's got a couple of those up already. Um, You can find those on our front page. And I think that about does it for this week. You can follow Ashley at 90 Feet From Home on Twitter. You can follow me at Fiscadoro74. Ashley, anything, anything else? Are we done? I think we're done. I think we're, we're probably all right. <laughs> all right. Sorry for borking the first uh, first half of the podcast. And we'll see you all next week. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Good, good night. Bye. Bye.